The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Intuitive Connection, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. So hello and welcome, everyone. Today, we have a guest again, and this lady was actually, you were actually pitched to me through, what do you call those people that pitch? Agency. Agency. There we go. Thank you for uh-huh. that. Yeah. And a lot of times that happens. My interest is not super peaked because they're not usually listeners and they're not usually people that get it. But I was so intrigued by your story and mm-hmm. so excited to have you here today. And I'm so excited to share this guest with you today. So our guest today is Lopa Vandermerch. And Lopa is many things, including a serial entrepreneur, mother of two, sustainability freak, TEDx speaker, and, and this is the part that interested me the most, a recovering cult member. Lopa's adventures have taken her around the world in search of health, spiritual fulfillment, and boundless energy. And three years ago, she added a new chapter to her life story, founder and CEO of Rasa, the adaptogenic coffee alternative revolutionizing people's relationship to their energy. So that is all very cool. Lopa, welcome. And I hope I said the name of your company correctly. Yes, you're great. All right. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. It's exciting to have you as well. And the reason that you know your story really spoke to me is that one of the themes that I think we talk about a lot on the show is tuning into your own spiritual connection and your own higher guidance. And I always tell people when guidance is coming through, whether it's in an individual session or through this very medium of this podcast, that it's your job as the consumer to tune in and see what resonates with you. Because I always see that my job is to reconnect people with their own spiritual sovereignty. And that was a word that you know I think is so powerful that you used it's not my job to tell people what to do or to take them out of themselves. We all have within us that connection. And, you know, any good spiritual teacher, teaching, connection, work, pretty much anything in the world is to help you reconnect with, you know, you. So I would love to hear about your journey, how you found your way into a cult, how you found your way out of a cult, and, you know, what that experience was like and what maybe you can share with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is one of those kinds of topics that, 
Like if my husband and I, cause we were both in it together. If we mentioned at a dinner party or something that we were in a cult, like the record stop, it's like, and then everybody's <laughs> like just asking questions about that for like three hours. So there's so many things to dig into. And I just, you know, encourage you feel free to interrupt me at any moment and be like, wait, wait, wait tell me more about that or, you know, whatever. Absolutely. So that it can just be a, a flowing conversation. Cause I also get into like parts of my memory and my experience and, you right. know, that's a whole different part of our brain that I'm accessing to go into some of these experiences. So how did it start? How did you find yourself in this situation? Was it some place you were raised? Was it something you were drawn to? It was something I was drawn to. And yeah, I'll I'll maybe start on the early side. You know, in my mid teens, when I first heard the word enlightenment, I was like, yes, that. Um, and I started reading spiritual books and I just, I knew that there was an awakening to be had and I was freaking hungry for it. And I started doing yoga intensively. And it was like almost every yoga teacher that I found, I was wanting some deeper connection, some like guidance, you know, all that stuff. And they weren't really available for it. And then I, through a series of incredible serendipities, met my first teacher who could be considered a cult and was problematic for sure, right. but was not traumatic for me and was actually incredibly beneficial. Um, although there were other people who did experience trauma in that context. So it's everybody's experience is so unique. But in that, I, you know, felt like I was being laid out. Here's the path to enlightenment and you just need to walk it and learned tremendous things and really appreciated that. And then after I think it was seven years with that being pretty much the primary focus of my life, uh, left that community for various reasons. And uh, my husband or my boyfriend and I at the time, now husband went on an around the world trip. And in India, uh, met an American woman who had started talking about this teacher in Bali. And, you know, when she talked, like there was some kind of transmission happening. There was energy moving. There was, you know, like her face would even start twitching. And she told me about all these psychedelic experiences that she had with this woman. And I was like, I want that. And I would say, you know, like to come back a little bit to what you were talking about initially, like, and also in in your show notes, like, you know, some of the people listening might just be starting on a path and some people might be, you know, further along on the path. And I think all of us have this sense of there's a more than available, there's more. And I think one of the things that I got confused about is just because it seems magical doesn't mean it's necessarily the real deal and doesn't mean that it can't come with problems. And so I was drawn to that. We're traveling. So I'm like, honey, we're going to Bali and uh, met her. And, you know, within days also like had my own psychedelic experiences and, you know, very powerful. She's a very powerful woman, very charismatic, um, has lots and lots of energy. You know, I had these kinds of experiences and I was like, that means this is real, right? you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's real. And that was probably the biggest core lesson that I learned from that is that we, because we're so stuck in this 3D world, you know, like, and we think that what I see and what I can touch and, you know, scientific materialism, that that's the only thing that's real, that when something that pushes us outside of that rigid 3D framework, we're like, oh, you know, that, that opens us up. And the reality is that's everywhere. Yeah. And one, you don't need a person for that. And two, it's, it's not about the magical powers or the magical experiences. It's actually about cultivating our awareness and our own unique 
path to that. And here was one of the things was I had this idea that awakening meant kind of an acid trip kind of thing. Like if I wasn't hallucinating deities around or not hallucinating, but like actually seeing deities around and stuff like that, then I was probably doing something wrong. And the reality is that that has not been my experience traditionally. And so like we have to find our own spark and whatever angle that is and continue to follow that path instead of saying like, oh, well, the path should be like this and it should be like that because we're all like, we're here to awaken. We're here to, we have the opportunity in this human body to actually liberate ourselves. We have a, a much greater opportunity of being human than in any of the other realms. And so if we can trust that we're supposed to do that, and just follow what's actually showing up for us in our lives and the signs that we see and the intuition that we cultivate to be able to have, I see intuition as like this communication with the divine and how we speak on the subtler realms. Like you can trust that and you don't need, it doesn't need to be magical. It doesn't need to be whatever. So that's amazing. And you said so many things that I want to follow up on that I don't even know where to start. I mean, I think the first thing you said is just because you have that big experience doesn't mean that the person, the place, the experience where it doesn't mean that that's everything, that that's the end, that you need to surrender to that. You know, I often tell people just because a psychic is accurate, Mm. doesn't mean they have all your answers or that they know more than you because they probably don't. You know, within you, everything that you need to know. I tell people when they walk into my office, it's my job to give your guidance back to you. Mm. And sometimes when we're in human form, we forget stuff or we're wrapped up in our lives and we don't see it. You know, so sometimes that guidance will come out of my mouth, but if it comes through me, it was yours to begin with. I'm just the conduit. Mm. Oh, thank you. Wow, I just felt my cells relax when you said that. <laughs> but I think that, you know, there's that confusion, right? People will say, but, but, but I had this experience, but, but, but she was so right about that. Yeah. And we're all connected, right? So if it comes out of my mouth, it comes out of your mouth. We're all just different facets of the same beautiful sparkling gem. Exactly. Exactly. It was consciousness coming through and that can take many, many forms. And if it took the form of one person's body giving you wisdom, you know, at at that time, you know, great. And like, look for it everywhere. Yeah. And the other thing that you said that I think is really important, and I tell this to people a lot too, is when you kind of alluded to this, first of all, everything is here to support us. And so I've seen people say that are therapists because that's one of the the hats that I sometimes wear. And sometimes I'll look at those people and I'll see how they practice and I'd be like, I would never work with that person or maybe even refer to that person. Most people in my field are amazeballs, but every once in a while you're like, really? And yet I've had people where I, you know, were like, I'm really not sure about them. And I've talked to clients or patients of theirs that are like, that person changed my life. And so it's very individual And just because someone can take you part of the way does not mean that they have the answers for all of eternity either. So sometimes we need an experience and that experience will kind of awaken us a little bit or bring something to the table. And then we're done with it. Yeah. You know, and so I've had teachers that I've left behind because they took me so far and then maybe the ego took over or maybe they just weren't meant to continue with me on my path beyond that. And so I think it's it's a level of discerning to know, again, that you're the driver of your own spiritual awakening and people are put on your path to teach you all sorts of stuff, but the power does not lie in them. It lies within you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think sometimes too, if you have a peak experience of some type, then you start to put that on your altar and say, that's what I'm supposed to go towards. But sometimes that might've just been like, this is a glimpse into something else. And then it's about, 
like how are we expanding our awareness and compassion? Right. You know, and this is one of the things like in the cult context, I got in there for a reason. She had real spiritual teachings. You know, nobody just like joins a cult because they're like, abuse sounds awesome. Right. Um, you know, like um, there was some real good stuff there in in many ways. And there was also, you know, we were speaking in tongues and, you know, flailing our bodies about uncontrollably kundalini moving. And that was great in some respects. It was a cool experience. You know, it was a, like basically a cool experience. And when it came down to it, I cannot actually tie any specific material increase of my compassion and awareness and presence to the ability to speak in tongues. You know, like there was... <laughs> There was not really a connection to that. And that's really what it's all about. Like, is actually, are we staying on that razor's edge of presence? Are we open? Are we vulnerable and defenseless in the good way of being defenseless? Um, of just like, I'm not going to harden against reality, but I'm going to welcome what is in. That's really what it's all about. And that's not to discount Kundalini awakening experiences. But I, I think that what we were having was maybe a light version of that, that also had some narcissistic, you know, egoic influence on it. And that meant that we weren't actually experiencing the love of God moving through us. We were experiencing our projection of her energy projected onto us as God, you know, like. That's so beautifully put. I can see that when you say that. And I think you said something else earlier and again now too, that a lot of people are looking, like I teach intuition development classes mm. and I am all for people, whatever psychic abilities you want to have open up for you, if that's meant to be, go for it. You know, I love the surprises that life gives to me and it's great. And, you know, they do not belong to me or anyone else exclusively, but I sometimes think people get hung up on they want it to look a certain way. They want it to be big and sexy and exciting. And I'm like, your intuition's talking to you every day. It's been talking to you every day since you were born. All you have to do is listen to how it's talking to you. You don't have to do what I'm doing. You don't have to do with, you know, I'm trying to think of a famous psychic. I don't know, like John Holland. You know, everyone's going to be different. You don't have to be Edward Casey. Do you and express the gifts of your soul. And it might look very different than, you know, you see in the movies or you know, the spiritual teaching. So I think that's such a good point. Yeah. And I think it's important too, especially in this day and age of the commodification of self and the personal branding. Like we sort of think like, oh, it needs to be marketable. It needs to be big because I need to write a book and I need to do these things. And, and that's actually spiritual materialism. That's actually taking spiritual practice and then putting the influences of modern society and just actually you're still just hooked by the hooks of modernity that want you to commodify yourself for an economy that gives two about you. Right. It can happen. I mean, I think it's a fine line between getting yourself out there and presenting this is who I am <laughs> and what I do. Cause I remember when I first started practicing, I kind of wanted to just be like, Hey, I'm Victoria Shaw and I just do my own thing people didn't respond to that very well. Like they needed a little bit of a story, a little bit of a explanation. And I just looked at it as, you know, I'm going to put something out there to give people a flavor. And if they want to take a taste, then they'll really understand what I do because no one can explain what I do. I just do whatever comes to me in, in the present moment, you know, in service, hopefully of, of that higher power. Yeah. And just to clarify on that point, that's also you're following your path. And my right. point is that we get so much reflection that our path should be, yes. we become the coach, we become the book writer, we become the, you know, whatever yeah. it is, you know, like exactly. I was just building on sort of what you were saying, like the influencer world. And so like, you have to really just check, is that coming from outside or is this really coming from inside? 
Yeah, that's beautifully said. Yeah, I totally see that. And, you know, I often feel sometimes like with some of those agencies, right? I was looking at at one and I did like a Facebook thing that they, and, and no down talk of anyone because everyone is serving and everyone is doing what they're here to do. Even cult leaders, you know, are serving a divine mission. I just hopefully not, it's not, it's not the path that I personally want to be on. But there was such a, exactly what you said. It's like such a, let's find a box that you fit in. Mm-hmm. And let's sell that. And, you know, it's disingenuine. But I also think, again, it's, it comes from this insecurity that you, who you are, is not enough. Yeah. And nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. And that starts to come from, like, so much of our modern culture. And this was also me in the cult. Like, I was not actually resting back in my own experience of the divine. Like, I was looking out, I was grasping. I was like, even just like a couple inches in front of myself in a way, just not like settled in. And when I'm settled in, that's where real security comes from. And you don't, you don't need to project a spiritual image from that place because you can just be what you are, whatever that is. Perfect. That is beautiful. And what makes something a cult? Like When I first started doing this intuitive development, the first place that I took classes, I'm not going to name names, but if you Google them, it says they're a cult. And, you know, a lot of people think any kind of spiritual teaching is cultish. So, and it was a pay for play for classes and I didn't feel abused at all, but there was like this element, (laughs) there was just this element of, you know, you keep taking the classes and you get to this high level and you know there was there was something that was a little bit off i got tremendous value for as far as i went i moved on to something else after that but i don't do know like you said other people had really negative experiences yes. so you know from your perspective what makes something a cult versus just you know a spiritual practice yeah it's a great question and it's a really important question right now and i think it does get thrown around maybe a little bit extra loosely these days A definition in cult academia that really helped to land for me, uh, it's actually just a a synonym for cult, is a high demand group. So right there, like how much are they demanding of your time, your attention, your money, your devotion, your power, your surrender? And then there's also, there's destructive cults and non-destructive cults. So a destructive cult would be a high demand group. Non-destructive cult can be Christianity you know, can be um, basically any religion, any group. If you look up the actual dictionary definition of cult, it's like people who believe similar things and have similar practices. You know, it's very straightforward and like, well, I mean, media is a cult and modern society is a cult and, you know, veganism could be, you know, there's so many different ways that you could look at the non-destructive side, but the high demand group is one of the ways to look at like, is there just an increasing like, There is a cost if you don't put more of yourself in. And that also gets into some interesting things too, because for example, like with spiritual work, it makes sense that some teachers are going to have inner students who, you know, really dedicate their lives to this practice and these teachings and the school that they're in and all of that. But it's sort of how much freedom do they feel to leave? And are they really staying, you know, in this sense of it being the right thing for them. Um, and I have seen people that are just choosing something so much with all of their heart that it could look culty, but it's not because it's just a choice. 
And then there is the other side where it doesn't feel like there's a choice to leave. Not because of desire, not because I'm so excited to wake up in my life and my experience, but because if I leave, I'm I'm not going to get the next teaching. I'm not going to, you know, get the the next thing, or like I'll be ostracized from the community, or and that was really baked into the dynamic in the group that I was in, and with even lip service to like, oh, you can go study somewhere else. Like, oh, you want to go with that teacher? But then as soon as somebody would do that, they would, you know, get talked about then be like, oh, they didn't, they just didn't get the transmission and, you know, all of that kind of thing. And so then you would see that happen and you'd be like, oh, no, I don't want to be talked about like that. Like, I don't, oh, it's not really okay to go study wherever you want or to do whatever you want. And then the group that we were in, it was very high demand. Like I had to share every single conversation I had with my husband up to the point of uploading our entire text message history to this online group that we had. We had to, you know, any conversation, any meaningful conversation that we had outside needed to be processed inside of the group. Otherwise you're wasting the group's energy and her energy and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, and it all came with a philosophy that made sense but was actually really not okay. Yeah, I agree. That's really not okay. And it sounds again, like it's saying like your individuality, your conversations, you know, your freedom is being severely curtailed. Yeah. Right. If you have a conversation or, you know, I mean, I think, yeah, that, that sense of personal privacy invasion, that's pretty extreme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when did you know it was a cult? When did you finally say, man, this isn't working for me. Something is wrong here. There's a little bit of a complicated history in this moment, but I'm going to try and just condense it. The the cult leader was actually trying to take down my former teacher that I had spoken about that I did not have a traumatic experience with. And at the time, my husband was reading this book, Cults Inside Out, and was reading it and applying it to my experience, his experience of my experience, really, with my first teacher. Okay. Taking notes, read the whole thing. Did not once think, I'm in a cult. Did not once think, he's like, oh, my teacher, you know, Uma doesn't do that, blah, 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 blah. Like, and then had someone who was witnessing this sort of semi-public attempt to take my first teacher down and reached out and just said the right thing in the right way at the right time. And he's a little bit of a pro. He had helped many other people get out of cults before. He had been in a cult before. And we had a conversation about something completely different. Just at the very end, he was like, you know, I'm just going to go out a little bit on a limb here. And you know what? Never mind. Um, I'm sorry. This is really not my place. Sorry about that. And we were like, no, 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 it's okay. And he was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I really actually shouldn't have said anything. And we we're like, no, no. And at that point, our brains are opening to whatever it is, you know, like we're pushing and asking him to give us the reflection, even if we didn't know what he was about to say. And, um, he was like, well, you know, I'm sure she's a really beautiful person, but, you know, I just see some red flags. And he gave a couple of specific examples of some very humble Buddhist teachers that he had worked with, which was a distinct contrast. And I think he did that on purpose to the complete lack of humility from the cult leader. And my husband and I were both on the phone at the time and we both got off and both of us felt literally like a bubble popped wow. around us. Like it was like, and we felt a little bit naked we were like, what just happened? Something strange happened. And we went and processed and talked about it. And, and then my husband went back through the book. He went in with a different color pen and was wow. like, oh my God, how did I not see this weeks ago? Literally weeks ago. 
And then he was like, we're in a cult too. And he starts like going through, there's this um, Robert Lifton's eight criteria for thought reform. He studied Maoist China and um, there's these eight criteria that do apply in cult context. So that would be another, like, if you're like, is it a cult? Look at Lifton's eight criteria for thought reform. All right. And we'll have that in the show notes. Yeah. That's a really, really good metric. And at first we were like, oh, let's just give her the reflection that maybe she's kind of like pedestalizing herself a little bit. And that did not go over well. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we extricated ourselves, you know, at about that point, my husband was like a, an on off switch. He was like, we're done. He was done. And I was more analog. I took a little bit of time to process and be like, am I sure? Like, is, is she the real deal? And there's just something wrong with me and, you know, kind of going through. And then the question of like, how did I get into this? And, you know, what context, what psychological context made this okay for me to sustain a level of abuse that was really not okay. Got it. Do you think it helped that you and your husband found this at the same time and could kind of get out of it together or? Yes. Yes. I would say she was pretty proud of breaking up couples. Wow. And we were, as far as we know, at least at the time, we were the first couple to ever come in as a couple and leave as a couple. Um, Everybody else was, was broken up. And I remember we had a therapy session sometime after and she was like, yeah, the really culty ones tend to want to break you up because you're not too independent things. You're, you're a collective that can have your own shared reality and shared connection and shared security and stability. And that's threatening to someone who needs that much power. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So it's my belief that you know everything happens for a reason and that mm. our spirits sometimes plan these little adventures you know or the potentiality for these little adventures before we come into our bodies and live our lifetimes if you believe in this and if you don't <laughs> that's okay too but saying this is the case and i'm guessing you're down with it what do you think was the learning in this experience for you mm. uh so much and i'll say i my belief aligns very similarly to what you've stated. I trust the there's a play out of our karma that is part of what we need to continue to open to whatever level that we're going to open in this lifetime. And the learning was tremendous. And I, I don't regret it. Like I, I wouldn't wish it on someone else, but I have no regrets. And I'm very actually grateful for the experience. And I would say Going back to a word that you cued in on at the beginning, sovereignty, self-sovereignty was probably the biggest learning. And I had through some, you know, childhood wounding and, you know, stuff that we all carry um, in our own ways, had had this sort of outsourcing of internal authority, outsourcing of internal compass is one of the ways that I put it, where it's like, oh, somebody else needs to reflect to me what I am. Somebody else needs to reflect to me what my purpose is and, you know, like how I can awaken and all of these things. And I'll say, I still really value the role of teacher and think it's really important. Um, for a while, I was like, screw all teachers. I don't ever want any spiritual teacher again. And then that has started to shift in like the last year or so, which I think was an important reflexive reaction, pendulum swinging in the other direction. Um, but now I'm at the place where I'm like, oh, I still think that there's great, you know, importance to having people who can point things out, but it's not, we have to check it against ourselves. And that can be tricky. There's a lot of discernment required there because sometimes if somebody reflects something at us that we don't like, 
it might be true about ourselves and we might not like it because we're defensive and we're like, my ego is not really wanting that reflection right now. But then sometimes it's actually just inaccurate. And when we put right. people in positions of power, it's harder to make that distinction internally between, is this just a reflection that I don't like? Or is this, this person projecting some of their own crap on me? Yeah. So yeah, I think that internal discernment, self-sovereignty, and just a way deeper amount of self-acceptance for the person that I am, the idiosyncrasies that I have, the wounds that I carry and I'm here to heal, you know, all of those in the cult dynamic became like this way of understanding myself as bad. And I think I brought some of that to the dynamic, you know, like I came with that. It's not her fault. She didn't make that happen, but she helped reflect it in me. And then I came away and was like, oh, cool. Don't want to end up in a situation like that again. And um, reclaimed sovereignty, accepted myself for, you know, I mean, is there still more room for me to continue to accept? Of course, I'm sure there's some dark corners in there, but I would say like, I'm pretty okay with the good, the bad, and the ugly that is in my experience. And there's plenty of all of it, you know, lots to choose from. And then really reclaiming my own relationship to the divine. Like for a while, I pushed it away and then it kept awakening in me. You know, it was like, oh, no, remember? Do you remember this? Of course you remember this. This is you. And so seeing that it came from inside and didn't come from outside and like actually having that experience after completely letting it go, you know, just being like, I don't even think I'm a spiritual person really. And then it was like, oh no, okay. It's there and it's mine. They say, if you love something, let it go. And if it comes back, it's yours to keep. I I like that quote in this regard. That's absolutely beautiful. Last question I ask everyone, and it might be a little more complicated in this case because I have some follow-ups, but anyway, the last question I ask everyone on the show is how do you experience your intuition? Mm, I really appreciate that question. And I'm like feeling right now this sense of all of these people that you have asked that question of and all the different kind of reflections that others have been able to receive and then hopefully tune into their own experience of intuition. I just, I like the field of that right now. The way I experience my intuition, I would say is pre-verbal. It is an inner knowing that I can easily write over, you know, like with thoughts, with busyness, with all the to-dos and very kind of left brain, young, you know, doing in this life. But when I slow down, Um, when I have time in nature, when I'm doing practice, when, you know, all of these things, when I'm just remembering to remember, it's like this, it's hard to actually put words to it because it is pre-verbal. So like, how do you actually talk about science? It's a sense, it's a feeling, it's kinesthetic. Yeah, it's, it's very kinesthetic and almost like if you had a magnet and you know, if you have a magnet and then you have like little particles of metal and they'll like come to the magnet, it's sort of like the, the particles of my being can kind of move toward or away something. I love that. So I can kind of tune into it from, from that sense. And it does take a quieter listening. Yeah. And do you think your experience of having been in a cult and having been the big bells and whistles, I got to do this. This is the thing. Do you think now that having been through that experience helps you discern? between the loud, because I get this all the time where people will be like, it's my intuition. I just know. And I'm like, it's not your intuition. <laughs> it's wishful thinking. It's your, your revved up, you know, your soul is often very quiet. And when it's loud, it's still quiet. Do you feel though that it's helped you? Yeah. Sharpen your connection with that? 
Absolutely. Because I think there was so much in this, like I was talking about kind of being projected out word. And so like I was kind of taking louder voices as intuition based on like stories that I would tell about things that were happening. And that's not actually intuition. That's my mind interpreting my experience. Whereas like my ego sometimes co-ops my idea of intuition. My concept of intuition is like, oh, my intuition is that, you know, like I'm going to, you know, do some big thing, you know, like whatever it is, like, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be this, you know, whatever. And when I really get into my intuition, it's like, it doesn't have a lot of needs. It's very content with life as it is. And then it can let life arrive to me. And then I'm in a dialogue with life itself. We're sort of co-navigating what it means to be in this body and what this, you know, flesh suit is here to offer and the consciousness that landed in it. Wow. That is so beautifully put. Lopa, is there anything else you want to share with listeners before we wrap up? Oh man, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to go into these realms because it's not necessarily what I always get to do in my normal work context. So thank you so much for that. Oh, thank you. And then just because I did mention work and I know that we set this up for anyone listening. So we did not talk about this at all, but I have a coffee alternative business. And I will say coffee can be a little bit of a blunt object for your intuition. Um, If you're cultivating sensitivity, having more sensitized ways to energize can really support that. And our products are a really good match for that. That's part of why I created them. So there is a discount for those of you listening, intuitive for 20% off your order. And I just want to get that out there and uh, would love for you to come find us on all the socials and stuff like that. Yeah, I will have all of that in the show notes for those of you guys that are coffee driven and I'm sure it's amazing. Loba, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. I really think so many people are going to benefit from this and I appreciate you, your bravery and uh, sharing your experience. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. And thanks everyone for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Have a wonderful day and namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.